There. How many of you guys enjoyed Pastor Art Evans from Shreveport, Louisiana last week? Come on, Art brought a strong word. Minister to our men on Friday, the master class on Saturday, where really he began laying the foundation of the glory of God, which we taught, talked about last week and then last Sunday. The master class is going to be made available on our podcast, uh, RLC SAC. You can subscribe to the podcast, but I just encourage you to download that, listen to the entire teaching, and uh, this is what this series is all about. Um, in the day that we're living in, how many know it's important to know what we believe? It's, all, it's important to know what we believe, but most importantly, how we live it out. So not only what we believe, but how we live it out. Quite often, there is a major disconnect in what we preach and what we practice. What we believe, come on, and how we behave. What we learn and how we live. How many know God wants to help us close that, close that gap in 2021? Thus, the series, Doctrines and Disciplines, we wanted to present you with some foundational and historical teachings in the church and how they apply to practical everyday life. How many know the historical has to be practical in order to make a difference in your life? In other words, if I believe that working out 30 minutes a day, three times a week, will make me healthier, yet I refuse to do so, how many know my belief is not going to change my life? Right? Uh, this, is, this is the problem with believers today, right? We know that getting in the word, right, getting in his presence, getting in prayer, going to church, which statistics say now that a majority of believers attend once out of every six Sundays. As a believer, I can know what is healthy for me. I can believe that they're good. Yes, going to church is good. Reading my Bible is good. Praying is good. But if I don't have the discipline, how many know it's not going to change my life? But if I, if I apply it right, if I get on my Peloton bike, if I ride 30 minutes a day, how many know, come on, it's going to be a lot, a lot more pleasurable to look in the mirror, right? My waistline, come on. I, I've got pants, just a pile of pants that I can't wear. But if I get on that Peloton 30 minutes a day, now four or five times a week, how many know it feels good when you can button those 34s, 32s, right? It feels good. Last week, we learned the important doctrine of the glory of God. And we learned a lot. Again, it's going to be available this week on the podcast. But the glory of God, and we have to understand this, if you didn't take anything away from last week, take away this. The glory of God for the modern day believer is not a cloud as it was in the Old Testament. It is the person and presence of Jesus Christ in the life of the believer and understanding that the life of the believer thrives in Christ's glory. Listen, we've got too many believers today chasing clouds instead of chasing Christ. And he is the hope. Come on, he is the hope of glory. Christ in you, the hope of glory. Colossians 1.27. This is the teaching and revelation of scripture. That Christ lives in you. He is our only hope for glory. Christ in you, the hope of glory. I love what verse 28 says. So we continue to preach, expanded Bible version, proclaim and announce Christ to each person using all wisdom to warn, instruct, and admonish and teach everyone in order to bring each one into God's presence as a mature person in Christ. How many know the doctrine of the glory of God, right? The hope, the hope of Christ living in us. Listen, the discipline is to share that glory with others, to bring them into an encounter with the living God. That's our mission here as a church, to engage real life, to, to engage real people 
who are having real problems, come on, with real issues, and then to embrace those people with the love and the acceptance of Jesus Christ and to lead them with our lives by example into an encounter with the living God. That's our mission as a church. How many of you know good doctrine produces godly discipline? And godly discipline produces a good life. 1 Timothy 4.16, Paul is talking to his spiritual son, Timothy. He says, watch your life and doctrine closely. Doctrine is another word for teaching or instruction. He says, watch your life and doctrine closely. Persevere. The word persevere means to stay at it, to stay with it, to tarry, to wait for it, to abide, to continue and to remain. Can I encourage you today? Come on, in a day of distraction, in a day where it seems like maybe everybody is leaving the faith, so the experts say, can I just tell you this? Stay with it. Come on, stick with it. Come on, continue in it. Remain in it. Abide in it. Persevere. I love how the J.B. Phillips translation says it. It says this, give your whole attention, all your energies to these things so that your progress is plain for all to see. Keep a critical eye both upon your own life and the teaching you give. This has happened to Josiah recently, a couple of weeks ago. Uh, the media was hounding Josiah because of a delay game call towards the end of the Arizona game, and they were just on him. Why didn't you know that play? Why did you line up in the wrong spot? Come to find out it wasn't his fault at all. But anyway, he was owning it in the interview. He was saying, 100% my fault, 100% my fault. And then he stopped he, the guys were just pounding him and hounding him. Who, why didn't you know that? You've been here two years, whatever. And he just stopped him. And he said, first of all, he says, I'm critical of myself more than anybody else. He said, it's 100% my fault and I'm going to do better. See, this is the call of the believer. I called somebody this week just to get some constructive criticism. Listen, how many know God wants to build us up, not beat us up? And listen, listen, we have to do the work. Like, get some feedback in your life. Get some input on your life. Keep a critical eye both upon your own life and the teaching you give. And if you continue to follow the line, I have indicated you will not only save your own soul, but the souls of many of your hearers as well. So he tells Timothy, he says, you're going to have to persevere. You're going to have to stay with it. You're going to have to remain. You're going to have to continue. How do you know it's going to get harder? Hello? Things are going to get more difficult. And we're talking a long time ago. And Paul says, you got to persevere, Timothy. And then in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 3 to 5, he says, Timothy, he says, now... There's going to come a time when they will not endure sound doctrine. In other words, he said, Timothy, you've got to persevere, but there's coming a time where people are not going to endure sound doctrine. The word endure means they're not going to hold up. They're not going to stand up or stand firm to sustain and bear, come on, the historical teachings of the church. He goes on to say, but according to their own desires. So they're not going to endure sound doctrine, but according to their own desires. How many know we have a choice between sound doctrine and selfish desires? Sound doctrine, this is the definition out of the original language that I came up with. It is healthy teaching and instruction that is free from the mixture of air and opinion. Goes on to say, because they have itching ears. How many of you have ever had that annoying itch before? You know the one in the center of your back that you can't reach and nobody's home to scratch it and you're looking some wall, some corner of the wall, right? 
I mean, you can't get lotion. That thing is itching all day because you can't, you can't soothe it. Come on, with some aloe vera. You can't soothe it with the lotion that you need, and it's driving you absolutely nuts. Anybody ever had an itch like that? An itch is a sensation on the skin that causes a desire to scratch it. How do you know that's exactly what sin is? Sin is a temporary sensation that causes a desire to scratch it. But it could be prevented if you would just put some lotion on your dry skin. <laughs> now, this is what I use. Men's fast absorbing. It says right on it. It says heals dry Skin. Come on, how do you know we've got the devil drying out believers? Come on, but we're not applying, we're not putting on the Lord Jesus Christ. Come on, to get rid of the itch, we just keep scratching. Some of you itching right now. Come on, we got the pornographic itch, we got the addiction itch, we got this itch and that itch and this itch. But we're not applying the Lord Jesus Christ to our situation. We're not applying the anointing of the Holy Ghost that sets us free. Come on, that turns, come on, our morning into joy. It's amazing to me. Have you looked at one of these bottles lately? They should start a church. It says this, we believe. I'm just telling you right now, this stuff will change your life. <laughs> Tell me this doesn't sound like, but we believe everyone and everywhere deserves healed skin. Come on, how do you know that could be us? I believe everyone everywhere deserves to be healed from their sin. That's why we created the Vaseline Healing Project. You didn't know you were part of a project when you were putting on this stuff. To help people, come on, you got some dry, ashy, crackly skin. Come on, if you're, listen to this. To help people living in crisis and disaster care for their skin. Now, can I just tell you, Listen, if they're willing to say that over an itch, come on, how much more should we be saying that about the gospel of Jesus Christ? They will heap for themselves teachers. In other words, they're not going to apply Jesus Christ, they're not going to get set free by the Holy Spirit. They're just going to gather teachers that'll just scratch the itch. Folks that have itchy ears don't try to prevent the itch. They don't try to bring health to their lives. Instead, they gather people who will continue to scratch the itch by telling them what they want to hear instead of taking heed to the word of God and yielding to the Holy Ghost. How many know that itch is never satisfied? Come on, you need some anointed lotion. And they will turn their ears, verse 4, away from the truth and be turned aside to fables. But you be watchful in all things. Endure afflictions. Do the work of an evangelist. Fulfill your ministry. You got the doctrine of the glory. Why doctrine is important. And then, and then Paul tells Timothy, here's the discipline. Fulfill your ministry. Come on, endure afflictions and do the work of an evangelist. Come on, and share your story. Today, I want to teach you about the importance of the image of God. The image of God can be approached in several different ways. We're going to focus on one way. We've, we've done it several different ways, but let me just tell you the few ways, because I just don't like you to say, this is the way you do it. If there's several ways. We're going to focus on the third way, but the first way you can approach it is what they call the substantive view. The substantive view of the image of God is basically, basically says we were created to reflect, come on, the quali qualities and characteristics of God. In other words, there's, in our identity, our identity is rooted in his reality. 
You guys remember? I asked this first service and nobody remembered at all. How do you guys remember the series about Get God Right? Thank you so much. One guy. You can go back on our YouTube channel and watch Get God Right. But we talked about in Get God Right how his absolutes or his attributes become our absolutes. So if God is a God of love, come on, how many of you know my life needs to emanate love? If God is full of mercy, my life needs to reflect his mercy. If he is a God who is gracious, then my actions, come on, how many of you know they need to be gracious? Right, So we share, this is one way to approach this subject, is that we reflect the image of God. The second way, and we've heard this a lot, is that you were, this is a lot from like Rick Warren's camp, you were created, which we were, you were created for relationship with God. Right? We've been created for fellowship, intimate, harmonious, unity, love. You were created to worship, right? That's true, by the way. <laughs> and, 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 and Rick Warren and the Purpose Driven Church, they talk about this type of love, that we were created for a relationship with God and relationship with others, right? Adam and Eve, how many know they had a perfect, harmonious relationship? How many know that's a miracle between a man and a husband? Come on. A man and a wife, excuse me. Ooh, Jesus. <laughs> Let me roll that back right there. We'll be doing first service, not second service. All right. And then lastly, it's the functional view. It's that here it is, and we don't talk a lot about this. In fact, I don't know when's the last time I've talked about this. And, this is, and it's this, the functional view. How many know we need a function to unction? But what for? We are called to rule and reign in Christ Jesus. This is, this, this Approach to the image of God has to do with the function that we carry out, and usually it's about exercising our dominion over creation. Are you guys ready to jump into the Word? Genesis chapter 1, verse 26 to 28. Very familiar passage. Then God said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness. The word likeness there means a tad lower than God. So not just like God, but a tad. Everybody say a tad. A tad Lower than God. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, over the cattle, over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. Then God blessed them. Say, he blessed them. And God said to them, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and subdue it, have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. I want you to turn to Genesis 5 verse 1, it's on the screen as well, but it really clarifies what I want you, really what this entire message resonates with. We don't read this a lot when it comes to the creation story, but it just reiterates it. This is the book of the genealogy of Adam. In the day that God created man, he made him in the likeness of God. He created them. Everybody say he created them. He created you with purpose. He created you with destiny. He created you with a plan. He created you with the vastness of a plan in mind. Male and female, and he blessed them, and he called them mankind in the day they were created. My first teaching point today is this, that we were created to represent God and be a blessing to the world. Many scholars draw a parallel between the image of God in Genesis and images of kings in the ancient world. Now, we know that transportation back in those days wasn't like it is now. In fact, I've been on the cobblestone roads that, that Paul walked upon in Greece, and, and we've been on the, the, the cobblestone roads in, in Israel when we went to Israel a couple of years ago. And they didn't have, listen, an I-5. They didn't have an I-80, right? They couldn't get anywhere fast. So what kings would do is that they would erect monuments or statues of themselves throughout 
their kingdoms, the farthest parts of their kingdoms, since they couldn't get there and be there and they couldn't be present, they would erect statues and monuments of themselves to remind people whose domain they were living under. These images let everyone know that the king's rule extended wherever his image was found. These statues of kings help us understand what it means for humans to be made in the image of God. How many know we've been created and we've been blessed and we've been called as God's representatives so we can extend God's kingdom, his rule and his dominion wherever we go. Come on, wherever God leads us, wherever he takes us, come on, we are the image bearers wherever we live. Say this, God is, come on, God created me, God blessed me, God called me. This is what we need to get out of the creation story. If we get nothing else, listen, that you've been created on purpose for a purpose, that you've been blessed to be a blessing. Listen, and you've been called according, come on, to his glory. Literally, the word dominion means to dominate or have a commanding influence to exercise control over. And I just felt like in worship this morning as Pastor Jesse mentioned it, listen, how many know what the enemy meant for evil, God can turn it around for good. See, some of you, somebody walked in today and you're being dominated by the sin. You're being dominated by a situation. You're being dominated by your circumstance. But listen, in Christ Jesus, you have dominion over that circumstance. You have dominion over that crisis. You have dominion over the storm. Listen, you don't have to live under it. Come on, in Christ Jesus, you live over it. Listen, I don't live under anything. I live over and in Christ Jesus. Say that. Come on, I'm created on purpose, for a purpose. I am blessed to be a blessing, and I am called for his greater glory. As an image bearer, listen, as an image bearer, listen, guaranteed unemployment. Listen, you have a position in the royal office. You are a royal priesthood. Come on. You are a royal priesthood. You you have a royal office or calling of being a representative or agent of God to the world. And as an image bearer, you have been given power to share in God's rule or administration of the earth's resources and creatures. You are an administrator. I love it because I am an administrator. I love to execute vision. I love to make things happen. Come on. How many know God calls us, come on, to help his plan on earth unfold? Come on, to wherever we go. Come on, whether it's a job, it doesn't have to be in a church. It could be on a school campus. It could be in the government, the Capitol State Building. Wherever it is, we're called to administrate the kingdom of God as his agents. Wherever he's called us. So as human beings, and this is what we have to get because if we're not careful, we'll go through Genesis 1 to 3 and we'll just flip to it and go, oh, ain't that cute? He made the little clouds and the dirt and made me, I'm a little dust ball. If we're not careful, that's how we'll approach the creation story. Yet we have to understand that as human beings made in in the image of God, we give creation, come on, its purpose. Now, let me give you a scripture to back that up, Isaiah 45, 18. Now, you know, we got to be scriptural here. For the Lord is God, and he created the heavens and earth and put everything in place. He made the world to be lived in. Why did he make the world? To be lived in by who? He made the world, the beauty of all creation. He made it for you to enjoy, and he made it for you to have influence over. Not that it would dominate you, but that you would dominate it. God made the world to be filled with his glory. How's he going to do that? Right, if we know the doctrine of the glory of God now, that it's not a cloud, it's Christ in me, the hope of glory. How is God gonna fill the earth with glory? Through your life. Through the glory of God that's emanating in your life. 
He made the world to be lived in, not to be a place of empty chaos, but he made, he said, let the whole earth be filled with his glory, Isaiah chapter 11. Let the whole world be filled. Some of us are expecting a cloud and God is looking for Christ-filled believers. Come on, to emanate the glory wherever they're at. Listen, you could be swinging a hammer Come on, nine to five or nine to six or whatever it is, you can be swinging a hammer in Jesus' name. Whatever you're doing, you can do it for the glory of God. Creation culminates, check this out, in the creation of man, then God's creative activity comes to rest. He makes all this stuff. And how we know he saves the best for last? He made us last. He made the world and everything in it, and then he formed you and I out of the dust of the ground. And this is what I love about Scripture. And then he, what did he do? He rested. He rested. He was confident in what he made and who he made. And he was confident that they could handle the mandate Come on, to have dominion. Come on, to have dominion, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. Here's an amazing thought that I've been meditating on all all week despite throwing out my back. Went to the chiropractor three times and on, on, on Friday, he finally got it. How many know when you finally get that? It's like, ah, thank you, Jesus. It was just, it was a wonderful moment. Hallelujah. But how many of you have found yourselves on vacation or somewhere where you love to go? For me, it's like I lived in Santa Rosa. Amy and I lived in Santa Rosa for 10 plus years. For me, it is the coast from Bodega Bay all the way up to Gualala. Man, that, that highway one. Now, that, that's not Amy's favorite because she hates the, the windy roads. But like you put out me, man, and how you know, you, you, you get in that place, whatever your place is, it could be the Grand Canyon, it could be something else. But how many of you just been in that place and just been like, ah, oh. how you know that makes you happy? Come on, it inspires you. Am I the only one that goes on vacation and enjoys these scenes? How many of you got that place? Raise your hand if you got that place. I want you to think about those views that take your breath away. I think when I look at the ocean on the Sonoma County coast there, I just think of God's vastness and his majesty. And I start worshiping. I lift my hands up and I take early morning walks and I pray and I feel closer to God than I ever have before. Is there anybody that can relate to me, right? Yeah, I mean, it's just like it's an awesome time. You feel so close to God when we gaze upon the beauty of his creation. And then I want you to think about this. This is exactly what God does when he gazes upon you. He sees the greatness of who he created you to be. He sees the purpose of your life. He sees the why, come on, behind the wonder. God sees the beauty. Listen, and you take his breath away. You take his breath away. He stood stood back and he rested. How many know those grandiose views? Wherever that place is for you, how many know it just causes you to rest? And that's exactly how the loving Father looks upon your life. You take his breath away. You see, the earth has no reason for existing outside of man. Only when God placed upon this earth a man created in his image was there a reason for the vast universe that had been created. And check this out. God endowed man with the capacities to enjoy the beauty of his workmanship and utilize its resources. God put gold in the ground for us to find. Come on, he put stuff in the ground that we could grow and eat it. This is our God. There's no purpose for that stuff if we don't exist. I was talking to Jeff Duvall, our missions director, and we're actually planning a trip. They went on a pre-trip to Zambia. We have a school there with over 350 school children. We're going to go in May. We invite you to come with Amy, myself, Pastor Sam, who was in first service, and During the trip, you're going to be able to go to Victoria Falls. And 
So I was kind of scrolling on Facebook and I seen Jeff, they went to Victoria Falls. If you guys could put that picture up, Victoria Falls is the largest sheet of water in the world, almost a quarter mile wide and 354 feet down. Come on, how you know that'll open your heart up to God right there. Well, if you know anything about Jeff, I'm like, oh, that's so beautiful. This is going to be awesome. I can't wait till May. And then I click on a couple more pictures, and then all of a sudden, I see Jeff in this picture. Now, I knew nothing about Victoria Falls at the time, and I said, bro, are you dumb? I said, can you actually go off? The waterfall? And he said, no, if you, if you go off the waterfall, you die because you fall 354 feet to your death. And I just said, Jeff, I need you as our board member. I need you as a missions director. What in the heck are you doing? He said, no, 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 you don't understand. I was in the devil's hot tub. He went on to explain You actually can do this. There is a natural wall, a natural spa, a natural sauna that you can climb down into. And I said, well, what? He said, and you hold on to a rope. Now, here's the deal. If you go to Zambia, you can get in the devil's hot tub. But before you do, just make out your life insurance policy to Real Life Church. (laughs) This is not, I don't believe this is way, at least not for me, this is not the way I enjoy God's creation. But how many know Jeff had fun putting purpose to God's Victoria Falls, amen? So we were created to represent God and be a blessing to the world. Second teaching point is that sin entered in the world to ruin the image of God and wreck the lives of image bearers. Are you guys still with me? You can read Genesis chapter 3, verses 1 to 7 on your own. We're going to go through it slowly here. But Genesis chapter 3, so God in all of his creation puts man in the center of it to bring purpose to it. And already by Genesis 3, we got things screwed up. Genesis 3, 1, now the serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field, which the Lord had made. And he said to the woman, has God indeed said to you, you shall not eat of every tree of the garden? You see, what we see in chapter 3 is a ploy of the enemy that he still uses today to get you to question, come on, the God who created you, come on, the word of God that formed you, so you will choose something that is not only below you, but you will actually choose something that will destroy your life. You see, if Satan can get you to question God the creator Question his word. He can cause you to question who God called you to be as an image bearer. So instead of having dominion over your sin, listen, you'll be the one getting dominated by sin. Always scratching that itch. Always dominated. Never healed. Always broken. Always something going wrong. Always complain. Always me. Miserable, miserable, miserable. If you allow, listen, to be dominated by sin, instead of ruling and reigning in Christ, we just sing about it. I'm going to see a victory. Come on, how many really saw the victory? God wants you to see it. How many know you got to see it before you can be it? So instead of having dominion over sin, you'll be the one getting dominated by sin if you're not careful. Genesis 3, 4 to 5, then the serpent said to the woman, you will not surely die for God knows that in the day you eat of it, your eyes will be open and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. Here's the deal. We already know that God created Adam and Eve in the likeness and image of himself. So why in the world would Eve listen to the serpent telling her that her eyes would be open and she would be like God? Think about it for a moment. Adam and Eve had perfect fellowship with God. They had perfect relationship with one another. They had dominion over everything. Everybody say everything. They were truly blessed to be a blessing, yet with one bite, one taste of pleasure, all that was made perfect in God's creative order was stripped away. 
This is what we've got to take away from the doctrine of the image of God. Listen, that Satan will never tempt you out of God's will by telling you what you're not. How many know we do a pretty good job of ourselves on our own doing that? We tell ourselves all the time, I'm not good enough. Come on, I'll never be. Always me. We talk ourselves out of the blessing. But the enemy always tempts us by telling us what we could be if we listen to him. You see, the enemy is always trying to entice us by saying the grass is greener on the other side. When how you know the grass isn't greener, you just need to water your own side. This is the temptation of Jesus in the wilderness. Matthew chapter four, verse eight. Again, the devil took Jesus on the highest mountain possible and he showed him all the kingdoms of the world in their glory. And he said to Jesus, all these things I'm gonna give to you if you fall down and worship me. And then Jesus said to him, away with you, Satan, for it is written. Everybody say, it is written. You shall worship the Lord your God and him only you shall serve. And then the devil what? Then the devil what? The devil left him and behold, the angels came and ministered to him. You see, Jesus countered everything that was wrong with what was written. Listen, when the devil, come on, says that you, you were created by accident, listen, how many know you tell him, no, no, that's not what God's word says. He said he created me with a purpose. Listen, when God says, you're, you're cursed, you're cursed with a curse, you know what? You say, no, what? God created me blessed to be a blessing. When he says, you're not called, you'll never add up to anything. You say, no, what? No, at the very beginning, God said, I'm called according to his glory. This is what God has for us. Am I the only one excited about it? I'm sweating like bullets up here. You see, Eve takes a bite of the bait and sin enters in. Shame comes in. Fear comes in. Blame comes in. They start pointing fingers. The curse comes in. And Genesis 3, 8 and 9, they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord among the trees of the garden. And then the Lord called to Adam and said, where are you? Adam, Eve, where'd you go? Where are you at? You're not where you're supposed to be. You're running away from your purpose, Adam. God, Adam, you've invited the curse. You're living under a curse. Where are you? You see, if you're not where you're supposed to be in your relationship with God, what do you need to do today to get in your rightful place? You see, Satan's plan is to get you out and keep you out of the presence and the glory of God so you'll never find your purpose in God. Satan's plan is to get you out and keep you out of the presence of God so you'll never find the plans of God. You'll never find the promise of God. Satan's plan is to cut you off from the glory of God so you won't bear the image of God. In his image, in his likeness. This morning, I can hear the Holy Spirit calling us back. I can hear the Holy Spirit beckoning us Come out of hiding. I can hear the Holy Spirit calling back to us in his presence and into his purpose, back into his plan, back into his promise, and back into his glory, which your life was intended to give God. You see, sin entered the hearts of humanity, making us rebellious towards God instead of, come on, representatives of God. Sin corrupted all that God created us for to Enjoy, and we forfeited the harmonious relationship we have with him and creation. We lost all ability to save ourselves from this corrupt condition, and we can't find our way back to God. But how many know Jesus Christ had the final word? Ephesians 2, 4, but God. Everybody say, but God. Come on, that's a big but right there. But God, being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved and you've been raised up. You've been lifted up from being dominated. You've been raised up from being trampled on. Listen, you've been raised up to be an influence 
God has raised you up wherever he's called you to be, to be an influence, not for your own glory, but for the glory of Jesus Christ. And my last point as our worship team comes, are you guys still with me? Got a couple minutes? I'll be done. Jesus, the image maker, he was with God in the beginning. How you know he's the alpha and omega and all between, right? He's the, he was there in the beginning with God, discovering how he was going to design you, in on the plan. Come on, in on the execution of that plan. Jesus, the image maker, the ultimate image bearer, came to redeem, he came to recover, and he came to restore the broken image of humanity. I love this because even in Genesis chapter three, where corruption of sin comes in, and it seems like everything good, come on, is messed up. How do you know it can feel like that today? Everything good. Come on, everything that God intended. How many know sometimes it can feel like, man, just a bunch of bad news? But how you know where there's bad news, there's good news? Why? Because there was bad news in the beginning. There was good news in the beginning. There was bad news. And when there was bad news, how many know there was much more good news? I love this because sometimes we think that we have to travel through the entire Old Testament to get to the good news of the Gospels. But yet, come on, by verse 15, God was already working on a plan of redemption. He said this. Amid these tragic sequence of events, God begins to move redemptively and a plan for recovering man's lost estate is promised and set in motion. Again, he's called you to rule and to reign. Genesis 3, 15, and I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your seed and her seed and he shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. Come on, everybody just do that real quick. Come on, somebody else do that with me. Come on. They call this, the theologians call this the proto-evangelium. Everybody say it. No, I'm just kidding. It's the proto-evangelium. Genesis chapter 3, verse 15, the proto-evangelium. You know what that means? It just means the first mention of the good news. So right in the midst of chaos, right in the midst, come on, of confusion, right in the midst of corruption, come on, here comes the good news. The first mention of the gospel of Jesus Christ is in verse 15. This is what we're going to look at in December. This is the verse. It's a promise that the seed of the woman in particular would play a part in undoing the effects of the fall. This is the story of Christmas and the incarnation of Christ. In its most specific sense, I love this, the Lord Jesus Christ has trampled Satan at the cross and the human race will eventually completely triumph over the evil one. Romans 16, 20, and the God of peace. No, no, really. And the God of peace. Well, the Pastor Dean, you know what's going on in the world out there? No, 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 no. And the God of peace. You know, all the chaos and all the, all the disorder and all the, no, no, no. The God of peace will crush Satan under your feet. Not his feet, your feet. I don't know, that should make somebody get up and stop right now. Under your feet, the God of, the God of peace will crush Satan under your feet. And I like how Paul just kind of throws it in there shortly. That means not now. Later, but sooner than you think. Jesus redeems, he restores, and he recovers the broken image by coming as the ultimate image barrier. I'm going to close right here. You guys ready to land the plane? I could keep going. You guys ready to land the plane? Talk to me. You guys ready to land the plane? I'm not going to read all of it. Colossians 1. 15 to 21, Christ is the visible image of the invisible God. Christ is the visible 
image of the invisible God. He existed before anything was created, and he is supreme over all creation. You can read the rest. I'm going to skip down to verse 19. For God in all his fullness, listen to this, was pleased to live in Christ. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him would not perish but have everlasting. The father heart of God pulsating in the life of Jesus for the broken, for the hurting, for the wounded, for the dying. His heart beating out of his chest because he could not contain the love of the Father. He was the visible, come on, image of the invisible God. Look, and through him, check this out, God reconciled everything to himself. Everything that was lost Come on, in Genesis chapter, chapter 3, everything that was stripped away from us, everything, listen, he reconciled everything to himself. He made peace, everybody say peace, with everything in heaven and on earth. Can I just say this? Where are you living? I'm living from that place, seated in heavenly places. I'm living in a place of peace, not chaos. I'm living in a place of promise, not confusion. Come on, I'm living in a place of clarity. Come on, not confusion. He made peace with everything in heaven on earth by means of Christ's blood on the cross. How many know the, the, how many know the scriptures will preach all by themselves? You've got to get this. This includes you who were once far away from God. It includes you. Say it includes me. You were enemies separated from him by your evil thoughts and actions. Yet now he has reconciled you to himself through the death of Christ in his physical body. And as a result, listen to this. Here's the good news. He's brought you in to his glory. He's brought you in to his presence and you are holy. Come on. And you are blameless and you stand in righteousness before his throne. Come on. Now you will be holy. No, you are holy. Stop trying so hard and just rest in the finished work of Jesus Christ. Some of you, you're just, you're all worked up. Come on, the enemy's got you all worked up. You're wearing yourself out. And Jesus has already reconciled all things to him, waiting for you to rest. Come on, in the finished work of Jesus Christ. To stand without him, come on, without a single fault. Man, I wish somebody would have taught me that in Bible college. Man, I would have stopped beating myself up a long time ago. Listen, listen, if there is any voice in your head that is beating you up, that is not of God. That is beating you down. That is not of, if it's building you up and saying, you know what? You don't have to do that anymore. I, I called you to more than that. That's the voice of God. Not, not, I'm not talking about the voice saying, well, you can keep doing that. It, it don't matter. That's the voice of the enemy. God will call you up because he wants to build you up. Amen? Lastly, are you guys still with me? Two more minutes. I promise I'm done. The word image of God in verse 15 is the word icon. You guys know what an icon is? You guys have probably seen some of these icons if you can help me out, Brother Trey. Y'all seen this one, right? What is it? Come on, you're driving down I-5 to L.A. You're like, you can see it in the distance, miles away. Because why? You, you're like, I'm going to get my coffee. Coffee! How about the next one, Brother Trey? Oh, some of you already have a Big Mac on your mind. You know what's funny is we don't eat in America. We don't eat at McDonald's anymore. Well, maybe if you have little kids, you do, all right? I remember those days, right? But I haven't eaten McDonald's in like 10 years, to be honest with you. But every time I take a group overseas, 
Like you would think the golden arches was the cross of Jesus Christ. I mean, they're just like, oh, hallelujah. The golden arches, glory to God. Just a few more. Let's just go through them. Oh, come on. These are just the top Mercedes. You guys get the idea, right? You recognize these things wherever you're at. Yeah. I see you. You got the Mac. I got the iPad too. Right? You're just like, you just, as Christians, no matter where we go, come on, no matter where God places us, come on, whenever people see us, how many know, because of what Christ has done, come on, to redeem and to recover and to restore the image of God in us, how many know, it should be recognizable to the world. It shouldn't be an accident. Listen, that they find out that you are a follower of Christ. Listen, you shouldn't have to wear a big cross or a Christian t-shirt to know, listen, that you are a believer in Jesus. No, no, they should look at you and say, look, did you see that icon? Did you see that? Just like you were calling out those things. Listen, when they see you, there's a Jesus follower right there. You see them? You see that? Look, watch them serve the Lord right there. This is what God has called us to. 2 Corinthians 5.20. So we are Christ's ambassadors. God is making his appeal through us. We speak for Christ when we plead, come back to God. With every head bowed and every eye closed. This morning, I just want to prophesy over you. Listen, you were created in the image of God and you were blessed to be a blessing this morning. And you, listen, you were called according to his glory and to glorify him with your life. This morning, if you're under the sound of my voice, listen, and you feel like you have fallen short and you're not living out your purpose, come on, you feel like the image of God is distorted in your life. You're not feeling called. In fact, you're feeling broken. If that's you and you want to accept Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, would you just slip up your hand so I can pray with you? Is that anybody in the building? Anybody? Yes. Anybody else? Yes. Anybody else? Yes. Back there. Yes. Yes. Back there. Thank you for your obedience. Can we all pray this prayer together? And if you didn't raise your hand, pray the prayer with me anyway, okay? Can we just say this? Dear Lord Jesus, thank you for creating me with a purpose. Thank you for blessing me to be a blessing. And thank you for calling me to your glory and to glorify you. I ask you to forgive me of all my shortcomings, all of my sin. Lord, I surrender my life to you and I make you my personal Lord and Savior. Come into my life and give me a new beginning in Jesus' name. And everybody said, and everybody said, Amen, amen. If you prayed that prayer, you're online or you're in the house, listen, you can let us know by texting and just saying, know what, I've made that decision. Or one of our staff members is in the back by the I Decided banner. Just stop by there. We have some resources for you. Thank you again for joining us. We pray that message ministered to your heart, lifted your spirit today. Hey, to find out more about joining the RLC online family, you can find us on the Church Center app. You can also subscribe to the YouTube channel if you haven't and follow us on Instagram and Facebook. God bless you.